Hello, New Jersey. Welcome to another edition of On the Record. Good morning. That music you're listening to is from The Wizard of Oz. But no, not that Wizard of Oz, not the one you remember from the movies with Bert Lars, the Cowardly Lion, or young Judy Garland singing Somewhere Over the Rainbow. No, this is from a much earlier incarnation of Oz, one that dates all the way back to 1902. And here to tell us about it today is my record colleague and the person who's actually performing the music, entertainment writer, Jim Beckerman. Jim, welcome back to On the Record. John, great to be back. Hey, The Wizard of Oz, the movie, is celebrating its 80th anniversary this year, and it will be back in selected theaters later this month. So, Jim, I thought I knew all there was to know about the movie, as well as The Wizard of Oz. Then you came along and opened a whole other box of Oz stuff. Tell us about this play. Yeah, well, it was kind of an odd box for me to open, too. But it turns out that before... There was the movie, The Wizard of Oz, the 1939 classic. And after, there was the original book, The Wonderful Wizard of Oz, published in 1900 by L. Frank Baum. There was a big Broadway musical version of The Wizard of Oz. And it's kind of forgotten now, for reasons we'll get into. But it actually was a huge thing at the turn of the century. And it's probably one of the reasons that there even was a Wizard of Oz movie made, because that show was such a big deal on Broadway that a lot of people still remembered it 40 years later and said, okay, well, that's, that's a money title. We could make a movie out of this. I'm willing to wager you are the only person in this newsroom, and probably among the listeners as well, who's actually seen a production of this play. I think that would be a very good wager. I would advise you to take that. <laughs> Um, yes, as a matter of fact, I had the uh, interesting fortune to uh, travel to Canton, Ohio, uh, nine years ago, and I saw what is likely the first and possibly last revival of the original 1902 Broadway Wizard of Oz. Uh, and it, just as a theater history buff and an Oz fan from when I was a kid, I sort of had to see this because I knew I'd never see it again. But I wasn't quite prepared for what I was going to see, and I think neither were a lot of people in the audience. A lot of them were all dressed up as uh, Dorothy, and they had like ruby slippers on, and other people were dressed up as the Wicked Witch of the West. Well, in this show, there is no ruby slippers, and there is no Wicked Witch of the West. And that is the least strange thing about it. What else is strange about it, Jim? Well, Dorothy comes to Oz not with a dog named Toto, but with a cow named Imogene. No. Yes. It's sad but true. They couldn't somehow get an actor into a tiny terrier costume, so they made Toto a cow. And then when Dorothy comes to the land of Oz, the magic land of Oz, she meets, among other people, a lady lunatic, an anarchist who is going to blow up the wizard with uh, discount bombs. And let's see, what else? There's a poet who's looking for a rhyme for sarsaparilla, and uh, all kinds of other characters that uh, really have nothing much to do with, uh, with The Wizard of Oz. So how did the audience in Canton, Ohio react to that? I think they were a little surprised, because I think they, you know, they obviously didn't look at their programs very closely. They didn't realize that this was not going to be that Wizard of Oz. But the thing you have to understand is that the, the Broadway show, the 1902 version, which actually was a huge hit, 
was very much tailored with 1902 Broadway audiences in mind. Audiences back then expected certain things. They expected topical humor. They expected really lousy puns. They expected, uh, you know, stories about uh, revolutionaries and, uh, and princes and princesses. They expected romance. Uh, so all this stuff had to be somehow woven into The Wizard of Oz. And in fact, strange as it seems to us now, that stuff helped make that show a hit back in 1902. Well, let's listen to another one of the songs from that hit musical that you played. So, Jim, what are, what are, what's going on in this song? Okay. In this song, uh, this was the Tin Woodman's song. Um, it was called When You Love, Love, Love. And I think the lyrics are something like, if you, you know, when you love, love, love in mad delirium, when to love, love, love that's quite sincere, you come. So that was the, uh, that, that was the rhyming skill they wow. brought to that. Wow. Um, by the way, the first th tune that we heard in the, uh, the opening was actually a one of the big spectacle scenes of the show was an army of uh, the Wizards' guards, all played by pretty girls in very tight uniforms um, with lots of leg, because one of the things that a show had to have back then was lots of pretty girls uh, with lots of leggings. So they did not disappoint. So they did not disappoint. And apparently they did a big special effects thing where they did uh, lots and lots of mirrors and they made this look like an infinite number of dancing girls uh, receding into the distance magically. Paging Busby Berkeley. Busby, paging Busby Berkeley. Uh, so that was one of the big scenes in the sh original show. The other ones were like the cyclone scene was a big piece of special effects work. But there's no Wicked Witch in this version. Uh, Interesting. It's, no, it's replaced by an anarchist who's going to try and kill the wizard. With the discount bombs. With the discount bombs. And there are lots and lots of references to Teddy Roosevelt and to all kinds of things that are going on or were going on currently okay. at the time. We're going to take a short break here. We'll be right back. And when we do, stick around, folks. Jim's going to play another song for us. Hello, listeners. You know, the stories you hear from On the Record don't come out of thin air. They are driven and inspired by the work of my colleagues at The Record and at NorthJersey.com. And this kind of journalism also doesn't come out of nowhere. We rely upon you, dear reader, for financial support. Please consider taking out a subscription. The number to call is 888-282-3422. Again, that number, 888-282-3422. And thanks for supporting local journalism. Welcome back. This is John Enslin at The Record. I'm talking with my colleague Jim Beckerman, the entertainment writer for the paper, and uh, the expert on all things Oz. And Jim, we're going to play a song now that you performed. It's taken from this 1902 musical that we've been talking about, Broadway musical. Uh, tell us a bit about what it's about. Okay. One of the things that needs to be explained about the 1902 Wizard of Oz and just about any old musical from that period is we sort of take for granted in musicals 
that a when a character sings a song, the song will have something to do with the character or the plot. I mean, seems it seems logical. kind of a, it seems logical, it seems natural. That was actually an innovation that didn't even really come into musicals into the until the 1920s and 30s. Back then, basically, a musical was almost like a variety act, and there were you know basically performers would sing whatever it was that they thought audiences would like. And it didn't necessarily have to have anything to do with the plot. So if you take a look at the score of the 1902 Wizard of Oz, it's none of the songs you know from the movie. Some of the songs, like the Tin Woodman song, do have something to do with the plot. But a lot of them are completely extraneous. So they had songs about football, and they had songs about Pocahontas, and songs about Sitting Bull, um, and songs about bullfrogs, and whatever it was that they thought would go over. And the other thing is that they would do is, as the run of the show went on, they would replace the songs with other songs, you know, so, so basically they could get you to come back a second or third time and say, like, well, you haven't seen The Wizard of Oz in a year? Well, come back because it's all new songs. So by the end, the songs were getting pretty far afield from what the story was. So uh, we ended up finally in a revival in 1908, The Wizard of Oz sings a song about beer. And this is the song he sang. All right, folks, listen in and be careful to listen for the early version of a product placement. The poets may sing of the friends who will cling to you when you are gloomy and blue. But I have one friend who will stick to the end, just the dearest friend I ever knew. Whenever I'm sad and the world treats me badly Into some rascal or I stray I fill up a stein with this old friend of mine And I dream all my sorrow away But, but Wiser's a friend of mine Friend of mine, yes, a friend of mine What care I if the sun don't shine while I've got But Wiser that's the reason I feel so fine Feel so fine, yes, I feel so fine Although Bill the Kaiser's a friend of Budweiser Budweiser's a friend of mine Bill Brown's just been married One night he was carried up home at the hour of one his wife, who'd retired, got up and admired his beautiful, beautiful bun. She asked who detained him, her angry voice pained him. She said, where on earth did you roam? He answered, Eliza, I've been with Budweiser, I've been taking Budweiser home. Bud, Budweiser's a friend of mine, friend of mine, yes, a friend of mine. What care I if the sun don't shine while I've got Budweiser? That's the reason I feel so fine, feel so fine, yes, I feel so fine. Although Bill the Kaiser's a friend of Budweiser, Budweiser's a friend of mine. Well, Jim, that's not what I expected from The Wizard of Oz, i got to tell you. Yeah, I don't think it's what anybody would expect today. Uh, but again, it's worth saying that without that Wizard of Oz, there would probably not be the Wizard of Oz that we all know and love today. So uh, it's a fascinating 
very bizarre piece of theater history. Right, and that song in particular is interesting. If I understand its uh, origin, it started as a vaudeville song. It was played in the Ziegfeld Follies, and then it eventually migrates its way into this Oz musical. Yeah, that, that happened a lot back then. They would just stick in songs that from other shows or songs that would just happen to be popular, and uh, they, would, they would stick it in if the second act needed to pick me up. So it's almost like this play became kind of a variety show. It was precisely what it was. Uh, and people loved it back then. But one of the things that happened, and in fact, the show was, had been so popular that when they made, did make the movie in 1939, a lot of people ex- kind of expected it to be like the Broadway show. And there was a big f- sort of fight about, you know, basically the screenwriters really returned to the original book uh, and, and mostly ignored the musical. And they also, uh, the, the studio commissioned a whole new score, which was controversial at the time. People said, well, why aren't you using the old songs? You know, the obvious answer is the old songs had nothing to do with the plot. Uh, so, you yeah, know, plus, in the end, plus the world had changed a lot. And, and the, world, the world has certainly changed a lot. So you ended up with what became the classic score to The Wizard of Oz with Over the Rainbow and If I Only Had a Brain and so on. Uh, all these songs that we now associate with the story. But uh, there were a lot of people back in 1939 who thought, like, why, you know, why tamper with success? Well, why not a song about Budweiser? <laughs> well, that's interesting, Jim. Well, listen, folks, uh, be sure to watch for Jim's story in the record and at NorthJersey.com. And don't miss the reintroduction of The Wizard of Oz, the movie, uh, at your local selected Yes, theaters. the end of January. It's going to be playing for three days. Take your kids. All right, folks. That's our program for today. Keep listening.